This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Triple eight seven two seven back patents too. Uh, we barely even touched on. Did we even mention the primaries last night? Uh, yeah, uh, at the beginning we talked about the polls and the exit polls. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. Um, I mean they're not worth mentioning, and both races are over. Yeah, uh, I mean so I don't probably know. it's not really yeah. a story. Uh, I mean I, there's some. If you're a uh, if you like Bernie Sanders as much as we like Ted Cruz, there's probably something to ma- ma- uh, mention in the. Uh, Democratic on the Democratic side, but there's nothing to mention on the on the Republican side. Obviously, we were talking uh, about Nebraska, um, and where uh, Trump went up with this over 60 percent of the vote, right around 60 percent of the vote, I think. In Nebraska, yes. in Nebraska. Yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, is it amazing that 40 percent would vote for another candidate when there's no other candidate in the race? Kind yes. of, but I mean, what is? I mean, eight, I think 20 percent in it was. Uh, he think he got 80 percent in uh, in West Virginia. So. Kind of shows you the difference between the states, but it doesn't show you much. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're a Cruz voter, most likely you're staying home. Well, the Washington Examiner said that <laughs> one of the four takeaways from Tuesday was that uh, it was it was not trivial that there was so much anti-Trump vote in Nebraska. Nebraska was a state where Cruz was expected to compete or even win. Had he stayed in the race, it shouldn't be surprising then. That Trump's most recently vanquished rivals combined for close to 40% of the vote there even with lots of demoralized supporters of other Republicans not showing up, kind of as as we mentioned. So, uh, you know, while Cruz didn't win not being in the race, he did, I mean, he got more than 10%, which is what Glenn predicted. I said yeah. maybe 15. What did he get? He got 20. 20? Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> he did pretty well. Not that it matters, because it really doesn't. Uh, the exit poll showed that 92% of the GOP voters in West Virginia were angry or dissatisfied with the federal government. 85% of the angry are voting for Donald Trump. This was one of the first times that it was going to be a big night, uh, first signs that it was a big night for Trump, even uh, accounting for the fact that he has cleared the field of any rivals. I mean, is it really notable? <laughs> it's was not that really hard. notable? No. I, don't, I actually don't think it was. No, I don't think it was. I mean, it, you know, I, did you watch any of the results? I didn't. I didn't no. even glance at the results last no. night. I mean, it's, it's I, I a, looked just to see if maybe you know there was a Nebraska miracle, right? And found out there was there was not. There wasn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, and Trump, you know, obviously he's the nominee, um, and uh, you know, barring him dropping out of the race for some unforeseen reason, mm-hmm. he's the nominee. It's so. a real shame if that happened. If he dropped out, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, wouldn't that, be awful? that would be fun. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not 
It wasn't it wasn't a big deal. Uh, and there were some on the Democratic side, and like you know, people were noticing in West in West Virginia that a bunch of Sanders supporters said that they would vote for Trump. And mildly notable in that um, you know. It's mostly driven probably by the idea that they don't want Clinton, and it's a very pro-Trump state. I mean, West Virginia is uh, probably the best state, uh, I mean, certainly a top-five state for Trump in the entire union, probably, you know, outside of his home states. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one of the top. So, I mean, it's just a good fit for him, it's a, uh, and it's not a good fit for Hillary Clinton. Um, and, you know, um, you know, Bernie Sanders, does he play well there? Kind of surprising that he would do well mm-hmm. in West Virginia, but I mean, I, I would love to know. And I'm not, I'm not enough of a historian to actually know the answer on this. But I don't ever remember a person essentially locking up the nomination as Hillary Clinton has uh, going through losing streaks like this, this late in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, she's losing a lot. <laughs> she is. I, she I, is. If you were just sort of casually paying attention, you would think Sanders is kicking her butt. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's the way Tim, ahead. You know, Tim Robbins is on this bandwagon. He thinks this is being stolen and oh and really? Yeah, he's a, he's Jeff Fisher wow. on this issue, um, and he wow. keeps posting about it. and He doesn't understand what he's talking about at all. I mean, it's embarrassing. <laughs> but I mean, you know, look, Hillary Clinton is outpaced well, Bernie Sanders by millions blowing. of votes. This is not a close, close election. You know, mm. she's won the superdelegates, which definitely helps her mm-hmm. and makes it basically impossible for Sanders to win. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even if you look at just the pledge delegates, she's still winning. She still lot. won the votes, and there's no there's no trickery that goes on in the Democratic side for for all the failings of Democrats. Theirs is a proportional system plus superdelegates. So every state, if you win sixty percent of the vote, you win sixty percent of the delegates. That's how it works. It doesn't have there's no winner take all states. There's mm. no uh, winner take most states. Uh, it's all proportional, and then on top of that are the superdelegates who. Who basically make the call if it's close. Right. <clears throat> Most of the time they go with whoever is winning because, I mean, what a surprise from Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but, you know, because they all committed very early to Hillary Clinton. They committed early to Hillary Clinton in 2008 as well. But then Bur- uh, Barack Obama started winning and they all switched. Um, it's the same thing here where uh, you have a situation where Bernie Sanders, while he's been competitive and he wins states, He's winning smaller states. He's winning a lot of caucuses. He's winning. Um, he's winning um, by small margins. Like for example, um, one of the states yesterday. Can't remember what, what the uh, which one it was, but he won by a pretty large margin. However, in the delegate race, he won 15 to 13. And it's like, well, you're, not, you're, not, you're never going to catch her winning 15, 13. Mm-hmm. You know, he's winning the states, but he's winning his states by small margins. She won her states by big margins. She was winning states 80 to tw- you know to 20. Early on in the race. And so he's been able to squeak out these mm-hmm. 55, 45 wins, which is notable because usually the momentum would carry a candidate who's essentially locked up the, the nomination o- across the finish line, as it has with Donald Trump. Um, for whatever reason, with, with Hillary, the momentum seems to actually be against her. It's, it's really incredible. It is. It's weird. Um, but it is over. I mean, it's essentially over. I, I don't know what the committed... What is the committed delegate count? Um, super delegates here. It says Clint, uh, Hillary. Yeah, I know she's got the super delegate lead. What is that? Oh, the committed. Oh, yeah. Uh, the the super delegates five twenty four to forty or something like that. Yeah, yes. here's pledge yeah. delegates seventeen sixteen to fourteen thirty two. Right. So seventeen sixteen to fourteen thirty two. Again, remember he won a state by fifteen points last night and got, and won by two delegates. He's trailing by two two hundred and eighty. I mean, you know, he, you don't you make up ground. You can't. You yeah. have to win big. Like you have to win California 
uh, by 200 delegates, right? Like, you need to really destroy. And it's just, it's just not going to happen, obviously. Look at him. Who wouldn't vote for this guy, though? I mean, <laughs> you know, who, who wouldn't vote for that guy? Um, he looks like an electable <laughs> guy. <laughs> Doesn't he? He sounds like an electable guy. He, he has policies, you know, like an electable guy in Denmark, Sweden. <laughs> Uh, the, the hair, hair is nice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. It's great. Triple eight seven two seven back. So, and the Democrats need what twenty seven hundred? Is that what the magic number is for them? Uh, I, think it's I, about I will say I don't know that number. Like so, I know the... if she's still a thousand short, that's that's a lot more uh, than I thought. Um, by the way, total is uh, Clinton is up by three million. Yeah, votes. It's plus three million. Over three million votes in this primary. Yeah. But I mean, is this in order? Yeah, it is. So look, you have. Um, so Sanders has won twenty states. He won twenty. Uh, I mean, it hasn't been a consistent romp. She had one big night in the middle of it, but she and it was her home state. But she he won Idaho, Utah. This is after it was pretty much wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Idaho for Sanders, Utah Sanders, um, Hawaii Sanders, Wisconsin Sanders, Wyoming Sanders. Okay. He wins mm-hmm. all those states in a row. Mm-hmm. Then she comes back and has a run of her of her own on the New York East. Yeah, so she wins uh, New York. Um, but again, like she won four out of she, those five, I think. Yeah, right? she won New York, Maryland, Connecticut, Delaware, Pennsylvania, then lost Rhode Island. Um, but then he came back and won Rhode Island, uh, Indiana, and West Virginia. And he did he win? I guess Nebraska is different on their schedule, right? The point though is that Hillary. So uh, Sanders won Idaho by thirteen thousand votes. Uh, Utah by 45,000 votes, Hawaii by 13,000 votes, Wisconsin by 135,000 votes. Um, then Hil- Hillary won New York by 290,000 votes. And then she won uh, Connecticut by 251,000 votes. So it's like her wins are big wins. His wins are small wins. So the, it's kind of like pitcher, the, the pitcher uh, record in baseball is now very much seen as sort of misleading. Um, used to be maybe the biggest stat in baseball outside of maybe ERA, and now people are like, well, you know, it really has more to do with team performance than how the pitcher pitches. You can have a bad record and have a good ERA, and that's kind of what this is. Like his record is good, but his ERA is bad. Yeah, yeah. She's close though. Yes. According to this, they need uh, twenty three eighty three for the nomination, mm-hmm. and she's got twenty two forty. But that's including superdelegates. Right. So again, that, those aren't right. confirmed until they cast those votes. I mean, right. they, you know, that doesn't it doesn't re- like if Hillary came out and let's say got indicted and was handcuffed and brought off to prison, they could it's all done. switch the next right. day. Well, okay, well, since she's got 17, uh, a little over 1700. And there's according to this, there's still a thousand over a thousand left. A thousand delegates to get yep. left. So, so, I mean, like again, like she. Yeah. Could he theoretically come back and win? It's not mathematically over there, but it's pretty much, for all intents and Pretty close, over. boy. Again, you, you always hold out, especially with something like the Clintons. I mean, we may find out that that list was right the whole time, and they did kill 45 people. And if that's true... It's up near 100 now. Stu, don't underestimate the killings. Is it's it up to way 100? more than 45. Yeah, wow. yeah way more. Whatever. Than so whatever we're up to now uh, <laughs> on the Internet, uh, um, if they're up to 100 killings and all of them are confirmed with video... It's possible the superdelegates would be like, you know what, let's go somewhere else. I bet you, I would not be surprised how, at all, however, to see those delegates go not to Bernie Sanders, but to, let's say, Joe Biden. Um, yeah. You know, because I don't think they want Bernie Sanders to be the nominee. Um, but, you know, I think they would take it if they had to. But I think they, I mean, Biden should have run. This is, this is the biggest mistake in political history. 
He should have. Joe Biden would have won. He, he probably would have beaten her. He's he probably would have beaten her. He's a much better candidate than her. Yes. Um, I, I, I think he's more likable than her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he is smarter on policy than her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the downside with Biden is he does make some gaffes. But, he, you know, like Trump seems to have some sort of immunity to that. Like he can yeah. just say whatever he wants and no one seems to care. Um, and he probably I, he's the type of guy who could actually beat Trump. I mean, because he he has mm-hmm. a little Trump in him. You know, Biden is a politician, but he's got some Trump. Inside, yes, he does. You know, and he, he said uh, he said this morning in an interview that, uh, look, I think I would have been the best president. Yeah, that is what he said. <laughs> I think I would have been the best president. <laughs> so there you go. Well, I mean, it's so bad that Reince Priebus, the, who's the head of the RNC, is is tweeting out today that it's nothing short of embarrassing that a 74 year old socialist from Vermont has beaten Hillary 19 times. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> And it's true. I mean, but Reince Priebus has his own problems on his hands. Maybe he should concentrate on, like, it's nothing short of embarrassing that Donald Trump is your nominee. I mean, that is unbelievable. So maybe you pay attention to your own house, you know? The, yeah, but I mean, that's not what the RNC does. The moat right. in it's your like, own eye before like, you go to, after the beam in somebody else's? It's like saying the, or vice the guy versa. who represents the players' union in a sport is going to come out with a fair assessment of, their, uh, of a player's situation. Right. They never are. They're yeah. always just going to back their player mindlessly no matter what. And that's what, I mean, that's what the RNC does. Uh, they're going to wreck the Democrats and go and back themselves up despite the circumstance. I mean, yeah. again, this is, and this is not something I'm actually that upset about uh, the the party means nothing the party nothing. is a vehicle to get principles over the finish line it, it is not you know and obviously we've Except seen that now that's with not what it is is it the Re- republican party doesn't stand for any principles that i know of anymore no they, well they used to whatever it's trump then i mean but the point is that like whether like I, a lot of people say well i can't believe the republican party stands for these things well the republican party doesn't really stand for anything no. i mean the democrats are the ones that you know they now stand for civil rights and acceptance um they also stood for uh, leading the way to squash those rights for decades you know i mean it it's it's the it, they just fit whatever they need to do right now i guess this is a trump party i mean and that's why i want, don't want to be associated with it but you know the rnc's job now is to take and I'm not talking about people like Paul Ryan, who are politicians and they represent their own values. Wright's Priebus doesn't represent his own values. Wright's Priebus is a, a guy who pushes uh, whatever uh, platform the RNC has and tries to help the party win. Mm-hmm. He, is an, he is an operative. He's a, uh, uh, an operations guy, essentially. He's not a guy who comes out. Like, Wright's Priebus is not coming out and saying, by the way, here's my grand statement on what we should, what, you know, what we should uh, think about tax policy. I mean, generally speaking, he'd say those things, I think. But, I mean, his, he's more famous for saying, hey, here's how we appeal to Hispanic voters. By the way, his answer was not Donald Trump. Um, but, you know, here's the best strategy going forward to get Republicans elected. That's his job. Mm-hmm. You know, his job is not to have some deep level of principle. It's our job to say, look, this party no longer represents the principles that I have. I need to bail on it. But that's not really Reince's job. You know, if he wants to stick with constitutional principles while he's got donald trump running he should he should resign mm-hmm. right i mean it's just mm-hmm. it's obviously those two things are not associated with each other now he has there's other elements of the party that he you know can push for those things but i mean if he's a hardcore constitutionalist who's saying like i want to work for a party that's fighting for the constitution and, and, a, and a candidate that will push that he's in the wrong gig right now with donald trump winning 
And it's just, it's not, that's not what's going on at the moment. Yeah. So you can leave if you want. Or you can just be an operative and push whoever's there over the line. I mean, that's, I think that's really more his role, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just that I don't, I don't, I don't care about their guy. Um, no, I don't either. I care about a set of principles, and they don't adhere to them anymore. Um, and I also care about getting prepared for whatever may come in the future because it could get dicey. You never know. Mm. I mean, there could be any kind of emergency. It could be a weather emergency, or it might be a job emergency, or it might be, you know, something more drastic. Either way, you should get prepared. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. Um, I mean, you talked about the skies opening up today, uh, yeah, or last night, um, and looking like there was tornadoes. It's amazing. You know, a tornado is a very localized event, and if you are uh, lucky enough to survive it, um, you know, there can be food disruptions, there can Mm -hmm. be all sorts of issues, and it might take a day or two to really get something together. Hurricane is even a bigger issue because then you're wiping out large swaths of of, uh, supplies. Uh, It can be scary. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the one thing Glenn's talked about for a really long time uh, is things are less scary when you're prepared for them. You know, when you, when, mm-hmm. like if you think you're going to lose your job and you sit back and you think every day, well, you know what, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to prepare and get money in the bank. When you lose your job, you say, okay, i got to find the next step. Where do I go from here? If you lose your job and you have no money in your bank, if you're Jeffy and he's going to lose his job this week and he has no money in the bank, or well, no he's going to panic. Yeah. He's going to panic when that, when that happens this, of course week, he is. this week. But, you know, I'm sure he's, brought, he's bought as many uh, of the... Uh, of the My Patriot Supply 72-hour kits as he possibly can. I have, but there's been a lot of long weekends. And right. And so you can maybe get another four so right I now. Have to. It is I a limit of four to. per person. So you might want to give him a call right now. Get that 72-hour emergency kit at 888-411-6844 or go online and order it there. Preparewiththeblaze.com. The founder of this company... 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to the show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Do because Donald J. Trump has all access to all Fox shows at all times. He was on all day again <laughs> yesterday and today. He was on O'Reilly. Uh, then he was also on Fox and Friends uh, again this morning. I mean, the guy, I, have they just turned over the network to him? The Seems answer, like yes. Absolutely. Yes, they Absolutely. have. Uh, give, give, give you a good example of this. Can we use the one of uh, the Fox and Friends from this morning um, about Budweiser? Uh, if this, does, if this does not describe the Fox News coverage this of Donald Trump, the cycle, I don't know what real. does. Watch. Somebody who's trying to make America great again is Donald Trump. He joins us on the line. Donald Trump, <laughs> do you think you had something to do with Budweiser changing the name of their beer for the summer? Do they owe you Budweiser to America? <laughs> I think so. They're so impressed with what our country will become that they decided to do this before the fact. 
Wow, that is that's a great question and a great answer. <laughs> Hard hitting, Steve Douchey. Oh. That was wow. I mean, they you know wow. they're trying. They're having a funny moment, but it's just like it's, it's been essentially moment. a good summary of their of the whole situation. <laughs> um, here's uh, I guess uh, Trump was on with O'Reilly as well. Uh, he's on. He's on mm-hmm. basically every show every night. Yes. Uh, here he is talking about Paul Ryan. I would like to see unity in the party. I do. I believe we'll have great unity in the party. Many people have come out and, and endorsed and, and been really strong. Rick Perry came out today and many others, Despicable. and they really gave their support in a very strong Okay, fashion. but not so Ryan. Ryan's I think, holding, I think we're going to have holding great. back. He's a very good man. He wants what's good for the party, and I think we're going to have very positive results. Did you and send... I'd love, frankly, for him to stay and be chairman. So you think, you know, and I know you have to say this, that he's going to fall into line, endorse you, he'll be at the convention, and everything will be fine. I, you know, no, that, not, that's not the fall, likely I don't scenario. Think fall into line. No, I don't think fall into line is the right words, though. Uh-huh. I, think, I think he loves this party, he loves this country, and he wants to see something good happen, and I think we're going to do better if we're unified. I mean, I don't know if we're in the minority on this. I don't love this party at all. No. And mm-hmm. I never will, and I never want to. I'm loving a, par- a political party. Doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make any sense I, I, to I me. I don't even understand it. I, I don't I, understand it. What do you give a rat's ass about a party for? Huh? Well, if you're a Democrat, what do you care? Your loyalty should be to the country, not to a party. Which is what Washington said, and that's why you didn't want the two-party system. Because this is going to happen. You, you love the party? Why? Why? I guess you could love the party if it consistently stood for the principles you care about. Right. I mean, I... You, you might then, because then it's good for the country. Right. Like, right? I think, the, you know, there, certainly in the last 30 years, the Republican Party... Um, Stands for had, nothing. You know, well, yeah. I mean, it's had moments where it's done things that I think are right. Um, but, I mean, like, go back to Reagan, for example. Do I think the Reagan Republican Party was good for America? Yes, but that was mm-hmm. because of Reagan and his ideas. Yeah, right. That wasn't because of the party. When, when you come in with a crappy Republican, you have John McCain as the, as the nominee, then the Republican Party sucks. Now, there are other people who are in the Republican Party who are good, but that's the point. The point is individuals and ideas are what we care about, not parties. Who cares? Who cares? Seriously. And, I, and, I, and while there was 0% of me that believed this would occur, if Barack Obama took office and started passing Republican Ronald Reagan-like tax cuts and protected religious freedom like Ronald Reagan did and, and, and had a strong military and did all the things that Ronald Reagan did, I would become a Democrat. Mm. And I would be happy mm-hmm. about being a Democrat because they were the ones representing my values. I, 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 the, I have no loyalty to these parties at all it's only chasing the ideas and the principles and the constitution wherever Uh that is that's where i want to be if you're you know maybe like myself or andrew wk you just uh you know like the party what i would uh i would ask the uh the the camera people to never allow him to speak again (laughs) uh audio people to turn off the microphone off but you were talking about partying what yeah, no, I, you're, you're, a, you're a little too dumb for this conversation, mm-hmm. Jeffy. Mm-hmm. Just a little. I mean, okay, good. He's been I'm going to say a lot. He's, a, he's a lot. He's, a lot he's, a, he's very yeah. stupid. Uh, also, here's uh, Trump on the best way to protect the sanctity of life. Uh, let's check this out. I'm sure it involves I've a Supreme Court nominee. I've become pro-life. I was 
in a meek fashion uh, pro-choice, but I've become pro-life, and the reason is I've seen, uh, in, in oh. my case, one specific situation, but numerous situations that have made me to go that way. I will protect it, and way. the biggest way you can protect it is through the Supreme Court and putting uh -huh. people on the court. And actually, the biggest way you can protect it, I guess, is by electing me president. <laughs> Okay, in a meek way, in a meek way, he was so meek about it. He supported partial birth abortion, and that's killing the baby as it is partially being born. Wow, you know, like for instance, so like head. half of it. Just so we we're clear, yeah. so like half of it's out. Half of it is out. And you like the head it. is out of the birth canal, but it's not fully and born. And you jam so you scissors into the back of its neck and kill it. And that's then, uh, what uh, we're talking about here. Yeah. yeah, but and he supported it. It's not meek. It's not yeah. a meek. That's not. That approval. doesn't seem meek uh, to me. It's pointless. It's just so. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 look. Let's be honest about it. Does, does anybody here want to see a freaking Ann Coulter clip? Is there any desire here? Not necessarily. No. I mean, I just can't take her. Forget it. No. Uh, let's go to um, the next one, though. Manafort is uh, is there. She's talking about the RNC convention, and, and I think he's right on this. There's very rarely rare that we praise the Trump camp, but I think he's right on this. Watch. How are you going to use television Monday through Thursday in a week when a lot of people like us, we use the convention, we cover it, but then we just talk among ourselves most of the time. How do you guys come up with a compelling television show for four nights? Well, I'm going to Cleveland on Thursday and Friday. We're sitting down with the RNC Ooh. leadership oh, of the convention, oh, oh. and we're going to begin to, to oh. start talking about that. We have some ideas, but we want to listen well, to you. are going to have to break some eggs, though, right? I don't think we have to break any eggs. Wright's Priebus is going to give us an exciting convention? Donald, Come on. Donald Trump is going to give you Okay, how? What do you do? Do you have movies? Do you want to, do you, we're, we're, we're going to put a program together. It's not put together yet. We a have reality ideas. show of some we kind? Have, well, this is the ultimate reality Ooh. show. It's the presidency of the United States. We're going to put it together. We're going to put something together. And Donald Trump will be there. And is that Jeffy? It's almost, it's almost Jeffy. It's almost, almost. Uh, spoons and uh, 18. Almost. Uh, we haven't put it together yet. <laughs> but we're so, good I mean, this guy, you know, has all sorts of issues uh, outside of the Trump campaign. Mm -hmm. If you look his name up, um, Paul Manafort. But, uh, you know, he's got lots of ties that are worrisome. However, that's not surprising when it comes to this particular uh, event we're talking about. And I think when he talks about it, like what, dude? Oh, one of those ties that are worrisome. No, no, I don't think any of them are worrisome, Pat. Don't worry okay. about it. Um, right. I will say that uh, he's right when he calls it the ultimate reality show. It is. This is exactly what it is. It's not real. It's got nothing to do with principles or the Constitution or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's just a big show. Um, so enjoy it. I mean, this is what we voted for. It's uh, We voted for a giant show. And you'll get it. Uh, I, I think all this stuff is... Uh, you know, it's frustrating for me to hear Trump and his people say these things. But, I mean, obviously he was right about America, right? <laughs> like, I thought they cared about principles and the Constitution. He thought they cared about nothing, and he was right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you lose. Mm -hmm. And congratulations, you're part of a giant mm -hmm. bunch of losers, America. Congratulations yeah. on that. Um, Sometimes you lose. Speaking of Trump. Thanks, Stuart, but we're not oh, going to lose. Okay. Yeah, we're we're not gonna lose. Gonna we haven't got it laid out yet. So reminds me of the time when I was working for the Ukrainian president. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh that, well, that's, wait. Sorry, I'm not supposed to talk mention. about that, Chris. No, Cancel no, that, Chris. Speaking of Trump appearing on every Fox show with every Fox host, Megyn Kelly has released a little sneak peek of her sit-down interview with Donald Trump. Here it is. You seem to stay angry f for months. Yeah. Was that real yeah. or was that strategy? Well, I'm a real person. 
Mm. I don't say, oh, gee, I'm angry tonight, but tomorrow you're my best friend. See, I do, oh, yeah, I do yeah, have yeah, a theory yeah, that, you know, when somebody push. does it, and this could happen again with us. I mean, it could be mm -hmm. uh, even doing this particular interview. Mm -hmm. I have great respect for you that you were able to call me and say, let's get together and let's talk. To me, Wait, so this I would happened? not have done that. I don't yeah, say that sure as, a, you know, as a positive. I think it's a negative for me. And you walk into Trump Tower, you didn't, we didn't have, like, on a neutral site or over at Fox or something. That would be a whole different thing. And I wouldn't have done it. I think I the doormen are still recovering. I, I think the whole building's recovering. <laughs> yeah, people are going, like, this can't be possible, right? Uh, that's going to be, you know, hey, some, of the, yep. some of the air has gone out of those sales anyway because, you know, Cruz is not around anymore. There's no, there's no drama here, really. I guess the only drama remaining is whether or not she's going to ask him tough questions, and I think we just got a glimpse of that. Yes, oh, we did. The answer is probably no. Uh, there's uh, still plenty of the interview kind of left. Questions might come in part of that. I don't know. We don't know. That's why we did it at Trump Tower, is I wouldn't want to come to Fox and neutral ground, although it's not neutral ground. It's my property, too, since I'm on every show every day. But that's Yeah, I would say at this point we can all say that Donald Trump owns Fox News Channel. Like yes. it's, it's obviously They've his turned it over property. to him. He's obviously purchased it at some point, and yeah. it hasn't been. Or they just gave it to him. Or they gave it to him. I don't know what. Uh, they, but he, there, there's not a. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no reason to believe this isn't the same thing as Trump Tower. And certainly, Megan believes that because that's why she went over there and called him Mr. Trump and did the interview. I hope she. I mean, I, I do still root for Megan to do a good interview, but you're right. There's no real downside to it at this point. No. And I think you know it becomes a point where it's not even probably good for her career. To well, I mean, I guess it is. Yeah. I think she. Well, look, she should do what she should do. You know, I mean, she should do the same thing that she would have done whether Cruz. Oh, that's exactly in, right, Stu. That's what we're saying all along. Triple eight seven two seven. Back more pets, Stu. Whatever. Well, we're just trying to put a good, happy party convention together for the, the troops, but. Back is the phone number. Yes, it is. If you want to call it, is in fact the phone number. We'd love it if you did, but we don't yes. really care. I mean, well, overall, wait. We're you not... either love it or you don't care. Which is it? Uh, we don't care. Okay. It was the second one. The first one was a lie. Uh, <laughs> the, but we care hugely. Because we actually do have a lot to do, but if you'd like to comment, well, I mean, maybe we can squeeze <laughs> in. Um, this is a pretty interesting story. We talked about it briefly yesterday. Uh, yeah. Hartford, Connecticut. And it's a state I grew up in. Um, and uh, they've been trying to develop Hartford for a long time. It's got a lot of insurance buildings and, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of, you know, office-type, uh, you know, uh, development, but not a lot of, like, you know, living development. There's not a lot of, like, restaurant areas and, like, fun, you know. I mean, it's, an, it's, a, it's the capital city of the state. It's the biggest city in the state. Um, so you'd think it would have some of that stuff. They've tried many times to try to develop it in various places, and most of the time it has not worked out well. Mm -hmm. Their latest attempt is a stadium, um, a minor league stadium, and Reason.com looked at how that's going. Our ballpark will be one of the finest minor league stadiums in the country. It will be the game changer in the region. Because this is what's going to help turn Hartford around, and it's clearly the kind of big bet that we make. Anytime 
You arrive at the intersection of government and real estate developers. Always something worth writing about. late-inning home run, the Rockcats were gone. For 32 years, New Britain, Connecticut's AA minor league team was an assembly line for some of the greatest talent the game of baseball has ever seen. Roger Clemens started out playing for New Britain. So did Kurt Schilling, Jeff Bagwell, Tory Hunter, and David Ortiz all kicked off their big league careers in the small city of New Britain. And right up until the day the team packed its bags and left New Britain for nearby Hartford, their fans kind of liked it. I would go beyond liked. I would say they were loved. You know, they're very popular with families. Um, I have two, two children myself, and we often went down there. Well, it came out of nowhere. They were stealing the team from New Britain, which, which didn't seem like a good idea. The team were looking for a more modern stadium, more modern facility, and they didn't see that they could get that in New Britain. The mayor had taken this initiative, uh, basically, as I understand it, on his own. The purpose of this uh, press conference is to welcome the Rockcats to uh, Hartford. Uh, he kind of sprung it on the city, saying, you know, we're going to do this. He paid a lot of money for what was a horribly inadequate study that was basically misrepresented entirely what, in fact, bringing a minor league team to Hartford would do. So the city council commissioned Fred Carstensen to help produce a new study. Carstensen projected an entirely new neighborhood from scratch, $350 million in development, with hundreds of residential units, a brewery, a supermarket, with the ballpark at the center of it all. It would be the biggest development Hartford had seen in decades. But it came with one big condition. In order to protect the city financially, they had to get the whole enchilada. They had to get the whole development. That the stadium by itself would not generate sufficient economic activity, even under the best case scenario. They're hoping that it will create jobs, that people who go to the stadium will patronize other parts of the city, the, the downtown and in turn help increase the tax base. When you got all the pieces in place, you know, then they come out ahead. Not by a lot. I mean, this is not some kind of a big win. But the question was, how do you protect the city from the point of view of being able to cover the cost of the stadium over the 20-year time horizon to, to pay off the bonds? Once the city council signed on to the ballpark, there was one last obstacle parked in the way of construction. Three acres of privately owned parking lots stood where the ballpark was supposed to be. The city couldn't reach an agreement with the owners to buy the land. So instead of making a deal, they paid the owner $2 million in compensation and seized 14 properties under eminent domain. Play ball, Hartford! 
Recently, there has been some discrepancy. They have found cost overruns, and to the tune of $10 million. In order to finish the stadium, instead of $56 million, they would need $66 million. No, $10 million. <laughs> What's another $10 million a month? Thank you. Right? Well, you're already there. So, so what? You're, you're already, already there. there. You're already there. It's going to be beautiful. So much to go through on this. Yeah. Uh, it's a great piece. You can watch it on Reason.com. Uh, but it's, you have a situation where, A, you have the Trump plan for the United States, being executed in Hartford, Connecticut. Yep. Mm -hmm. Take land, build beautiful buildings, uh, it will regenerate, it'll be a, this wonderful thing for the community, use government force to get the land, use government dollars to uh, purchase the people and, the, uh, and to actually build the structures, then purchase a widely uh, discredited study which shows that if every single thing goes perfectly, you might make a little bit of money, so mm -hmm. you can justify doing it, mm -hmm. uh, even though everyone knows everything doesn't go, go perfect. Mm. I know how to get all those pieces. Are you sure uh, that didn't happen? Uh, yeah, and then, well, we will see in the second part of this. Yes. But uh, again, $56 million was the cost. For, I mean, what idiot believes that you're a $56 million purchase of a minor league baseball stadium is going to be able to pay for itself? But in what world does that occur? You know, you'd be hard-pressed, even if it's major league. <laughs> I mean, just the stadium by itself, is that going to generate that kind of revenue yeah, I mean, in the downtown area or whatever? Major, it major might. league, maybe. It I mean, might, I, you know, again. But I don't know that Minute Maid Park brings that kind of revenue in, or, or does Tech Rangers Park in Arlington bring in that kind of revenue? I, I but again, know. remember, when you're talking major leagues, your, your average ticket price is $50. What's your, aver your minor league average ticket price is probably $8. Probably. You know, and it's like, yeah. again, it's a place where people don't go. Um, you know, talking to a friend who knows Hartford well and saying that, like, in between where the stadium is and the areas you actually want to be in where restaurants are, are, you know, Blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks and right. blocks of areas you don't want to walk through. Oh, yeah. Well, I that's bet. why you just you put in some light rail. Well, let's and take a look at it. Back and forth. <laughs> Damn straight. That's what's coming next. You know let's it. Let's take a look at what they did do. Here, here's uh, part two. When the Hartford City Council approved this, we said the budget was a maximum of $56 million. The headline here is that we're not going to spend a penny more than $56 million, or else the team owner is going to pay for it or the developer. The city council kind of said that to the taxpayer, we're not going to put any more money in because when this was first proposed, there was some opposition to it, you know, from the taxpayers. Hartford officials and leaders are always saying, we don't have enough money. And the idea of spending $56 million on a stadium, when at the same time you're saying we don't have money for our schools, or we don't have mo enough money for social services, or all the other things we do in Hartford, such as law enforcement, and then saying, but we do have $56 million for a baseball stadium. Uh, that struck people as incongruous and uh, just not sound public policy. This team is ready for the tough task ahead. Enter Luke Bronin, Hartford's new mayor tasked with fixing the $10 million shortfall and getting the stadium back on track. As the mayor negotiated with the developer and the team owner, construction crews raced to finish the ballpark before the start of the baseball season. They worked all day and at night. But with opening day just four months away, Hartford waited to see if it would have a stadium in time for baseball season.
people are watching, what's it like to do business in Hartford? And when there's a $10 million shortfall on a $56 million plan, it sends a, it sends a bad message about the ability of the city to get things done. But just as confidence reached a low point, the development began a late-inning rally. My message to Hartford's taxpayers is we're trying to uh, get the best uh, result out of a difficult situation. First, Mayor Bronin struck a deal with the team, the developer, and the city to split the $10 million cost and bring the stadium to completion. And businesses were getting on board. The developer is talking to a grocery store. They recently announced that the Hard Rock Cafe wants to bring a hotel here. Today, the Hard Rock Corporation announced plans to build a Hard Rock Hotel in Hartford. The new hotel will be built in the downtown North neighborhood right near the new ballpark. The public policy and public investment reshapes the market environment. And markets are phenomenal at generating lots of you know, really beneficial outcomes. But sometimes, and in fact historically, um, the public sector plays a really, really critical role in unleashing the private sector. Why should the people of Hartford, many of whom are very, very poor, why should this burden be placed on them? Uh, it strikes me as, as you know, morally a, a pretty clear answer, and that is it shouldn't be. The stadium itself is about a month behind, and initially the team is going to have to play all of its games away, and obviously... That's not what you want because that's not going to generate any of the benefits that are anticipated. With Dunkin' Donuts Park missing the first 52 games of the season, some hoped they could strike a deal to return to their old ballpark back in New Britain. But that wasn't going to happen because New Britain found a team of their own to fill the old ballpark. The Bees are landing in New Britain. It's Connecticut's newest baseball team. The new team has a name. Just like the Rockcats were lured away from New Britain, New Britain lured the Bees away from their previous stadium in Camden, New Jersey. Built only 15 years ago, taxpayer-subsidized Campbell's Field was the centerpiece of an economic revitalization campaign for a struggling city. But the predicted stadium attendance and revenues fell short, and hopes for development never materialized. Abandoned by its team, Campbell's Field today spends most of the year empty and unused. Campbell's Field is the worst-case scenario for Hartford. And while regional studies make a hopeful case for Dunkin' Donuts Park, a host of national studies have concluded that Campbell's Field is closer to the norm. There are a lot of unknowns right now. I mean, studies have said that, yes, this is going to be a benefit economically to the city. You know, there's mm -hmm. going to be jobs that are going to be created, the hope for spillover into the rest of downtown. Mm-hmm. But that is yet to be seen. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And this is the repeated oh, across America. Cost overruns and delays, and they don't even get to play the first 52 games, so no money comes into the area. Right. That's great. It's, it's wonderful. It's perfect. I've been to that field in Camden that they talked about it towards the end of that. That's beautiful. A beautiful park with a and great empty. sky. You get the Philly skyline right across the, 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 the bridge there, and you got the, I mean, it's beautiful. But, I mean, there's and, nothing there. There's the nothing minor there. league park in uh, mm -hmm. Trenton, New Jersey, is gorgeous, too, right there on the river. Mm -hmm. the, I mean, it's gorgeous out there. The Camden one is built is the same type of thing, though. Camden, obvious disaster of a city. 
Uh, and so they're like, well, we can build a bunch of stuff right on the water, and people will come and just go to the water. Uh, uh, they, could stay, they could stay six inches from the water in this nice complex where there's a, a, a concert venue and um, a uh, you know a really nice uh, aquarium. And then we'll bring light rail in. Right, and, and they d- yep, and they there did you go. It. And they did. They did bring light rail in, and it goes from Trenton down to Camden. And uh-huh. I've taken it before uh, once. Um, and it, this is the one that if you take the light oh, rail right, to the to the concert venue. Uh, mm-hmm. It stops running at like 10:30, and then the concert's all in at like 11:30. So you you could take the train there, but you can't take the train back. Well, that's when you get a cab. Oh, okay. Triple eight seven twenty seven. Back is the phone number. Back in a second. Again, Reason TV for that, uh, oh, that that documentary. Share it. People need to see it. Welcome back to the program. Triple A seven twenty seven Beck is the phone number. Uh, the apocalypse is coming, as you know. Um, it's pretty much been proven by our presidential choices, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's apparently turning into quite the, the big business. Um, in fact, they have a cool uh, underground layer uh, that you can now buy to survive the apocalypse that is undoubtedly coming. Uh, and then you can uh, not invite Jeffy to it. Here's some video of uh, what it looks like. Uh, this is the uh, Are You Ready to Survive the Apocalypse? This is the underground. Yeah, those, I mean, those are cool. It's pretty badass right there. $17.5 million. A I mean, little pricey. Just buy an old mis- um, military grade. Yeah. 69 communication center. 45 feet down. 12 bathrooms. 12 bedrooms. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you're going to probably move in with a couple families on this one. Wow. Equipped to withstand a 20 kiloton nuclear weapon. Only fully renovated nuclear. Uh, I couldn't read the rest of it. <laughs> uh, it looks nice inside. Uh, oh, it's got a nice kitchen. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, for $17 million, it should probably have a nice Right? <laughs> yes, it, it should be nicer than this. Uh, but thick walls. Wow. Uh, uh, new secure air intake systems, hopefully air-conditioned, too. The bunker also has luxury apartments to sleep 13. Nice. Wow. Jeez. Modernized commercial kitchen <clears throat> with fridge, built-in movie theater. Wow. Why the That's scary? essential for the Arm- for Armageddon. <laughs> yes, you have to have that. Four-car garage. So who's ready to move in? Uh, I am. I'll, I'll move into that place. Yeah, it's let's nice. go. Yeah. It's nice. I mean, you know, you wouldn't get a lot of natural light. No, you wouldn't. But outside of that, I think it's just pretty nice. be nice and cool under there, though. Yeah, it would not have big air conditioning bills at all. Wow. Can you imagine $17.5 million for that thing? Oh. I mean, that's a serious prepper. I mean, I, I t- take this stuff seriously, obviously, and so I, I, I dug a big hole outside, Jeffy. I want you to climb in, and we're going to cover, we're going to cover you. It's a little bit different. It's not quite seventeen million dollars, but it's close, though. I yeah, mean, we're going to cover you in plastic. Uh, we bought a seventeen dollar. Yeah, no, it's no it's shovels.
727 back. It's Pat and Stu. Uh, something you may not realize, but we want to clue you in on here before November. Hillary Clinton lies. Wait. I know. What? What? I know. Not the presidential. Was it a different Hillary Clinton? Or? Uh, no. Surprisingly, this is the actual presidential candidate, Hillary Clinton, who said just recently she's never lied. She doesn't lie. She can't remember a lie. Wow. Never told one. Seems, no, I will say, uh, fact check, your claim seems false. <laughs> My claim? Mm-hmm. Seems claim that she, false. Claim seems that she lies. mostly false or mostly completely false. false? Mostly false. Mostly false. Pants on fire. All right, well, let me show you some, some evidence. Okay, if you have, if you have um, a piece of evidence, now's the time to, uh, to put it down before I click publish on my report about you. This is the time to present whatever evidence actually, you might have. I actually have seven pieces of evidence I'd like to place before the jury. All right, let's if I see could. Whatever. Uh, here she is lying about gay marriage, for instance. Do you think New York State should recognize gay marriage? No. 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 Okay. No. Boo! I believe that marriage is not just a bond, but a sacred Oof. bond between a man and a woman. I have uh, not uh, supported well, same-sex marriage. Uh, I've supported uh, civil partnerships and uh, contractual mm-hmm. relationships. No, I support marriage for lesbian and gay couples. <laughs> <laughs> I support it personally and as a matter of policy and law. Uh, so you're really... saying your opinion on gay marriage mm-hmm. changed, or you changed your mind? <laughs> just you know, I really, I have to say, I think you are um, being very persistent, really but yeah. you are playing with my words and playing no, with no. what is such an I'm just trying to clarify issue. so I can understand. No, words. I don't think you are trying to clarify. I think you're trying to say that, you know, I used to be uh, opposed and now I'm in favor and you I did it for political this. reasons. Yes. And that's just flat wrong. So let me just state what I feel like you are wow. implying and repudiate it. I have a strong record. I have a great yes, do, commitment to this issue, and I am proud of what I've no, done and the progress like we're making. No, I'm saying, I'm sorry. I, I just want to clarify what I was saying. No, I, I was saying that you maybe really believe this all along, but you know, believed in gay marriage all along, but felt for political reasons, America wasn't ready yet, and you couldn't say it. That's what I was thinking. No, that no, that is not true. It really is great wow. how long you've supported gay marriage. Yes, I I could have supported it sooner. Well, you did it pretty soon. Could have been sooner. Fair point. <laughs> Fair point. Could have, been, could have been sooner. It was 2013 that she changed. It could have been sooner? Yeah. Yeah, it could have been, you know, 1970. It could yeah. have been, Maybe you know, the first run in the White House. Yeah, right. Nice, uh, I mean, that just... Again, but, like, I, you know... But look at, look at the difference between first interview and second interview. Can we just play that clip really... Quickly again. One. Yeah, the same one. Do you think New York State should this recognize gay marriage? No. No. Okay. Look at that. Look at that. And then ah! I believe. Ah! That's still pretty close. <laughs> That's not scream yet. No, she looked great in the 90s. I don't think you she's, forget that. I don't think she's right? uh, contracted uh, cankle cough yet there. No, she has not contracted Those first two clips. Yet. No. So, so that, that's one I, one little piece of evidence you have. Okay. One. But, I mean, but the marriage thing, pretty egregious, right? Is she, I mean, she was, I mean, it was a she fundamental bedrock that. principle. They didn't play that clip. But it was a fundamental bedrock principle, and then all of a sudden, no, it isn't. She supports gay I was in a, She just evolved on the issue. Okay. The, the funny thing I like about the, I really like that Terry Gross interview uh, with her, because 
She's actually trying to help. Yep. She's she trying is. to say, look, yeah, you is. knew the whole time that this was right. Everybody but knows say she's done this and she has right. this track record. Right. She is so she's to actually trying to help and say, look, yeah. you obviously changed your opinion. I'm trying to say, is this the what's the best possible way you can say retroactively your opinion was? Which is, I believed it the entire time, but now just couldn't I just couldn't say it wasn't the right time. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, what that's more defensible did, right? than, uh, than uh, saying Nepal, you actually yeah, yeah, Napolitano said that right. very thing. Yes. Which is, you'd argue, more defensible than, you know, from a left-wing perspective, than saying, yeah. I actually really opposed it. It was a fundamental backbroad principle. I thought it was terrible. And then I just kind of changed my mind a couple of years ago. Right. Like, that's much worse. Or the, uh, the, the really bad one for them would be to say, I haven't believed it the whole time, but now it's popular and I've politically switched. Um, uh, the, the, the one she's suggesting is actually the best one mm-hmm. for, for the left-wing argument. And, you know, she's still... I don't think she realized. I thought she she thinks she's being attacked when she's trying to be helped. So she fights back a lot. She is, but she realizes the woman is putting it in in the context. And this is probably how it actually was for Hillary. But she's putting it in the context of you did this for political purposes. Hillary doesn't want that impression, but that's apparently what it was. Anyway, uh, either that or her core principles changed. But here's uh, here she is on her core principles. Just uh, in July, New Hampshire, you told the crowd you, quote, take a backseat to no one when it comes to progressive values. I take a backseat to no one when you look at my record and standing up and fighting for progressive values. Last month in Ohio, you said you plead guilty to, quote, being kind of moderate and center. Do you change your political identity based on who you're talking to? No, I think that uh, like most people Mm. that I know, Mm -hmm. I have a range of views, but they are rooted in my values and my experience. You know, I get accused of being kind of moderate and center. I plead guilty. Just for the record, are you a progressive (laughs) or you a moderate? I'm a progressive. Hmm. Wow. Yes, that's a slight piece of, yes. Wow. Okay. Okay. Okay, Fine. Slight piece of evidence right there. Minor. Okay. Minor. Minor. You probably have nothing else. Well, there's the email scandal. Uh, She's been very consistent on this from the beginning. Well, let's let's see how consistent she's been. Going through the emails, um, there were over 60,000 in total. Mm-hmm. sent and received. About half were work-related and went to the State Department, um, and about half were personal that were not in any way related to my work. When you speak to the public, you say, I turned over everything. That's, for the most part, a direct quote. When you Talk to the public. You say I turned over everything. Ninety to ninety-five percent of my work-related emails were in the state system. If they wanted to that, see them, they would certainly have been able you to. You know do what? So. That, that is that is maybe the tenth time you have cited that figure today. It is. And I have not heard anyone other than you ever <laughs> cite that figure. Who told you that ninety to ninety-five percent of your emails were on the state, were in the state department system? Who Great told question. you that? We learned that from the State Department and their analysis of the, of the emails that were already on the system. The Inspector General report found that less than 1%, <laughs> less than 1% of so State cool. Department emails, record emails, were captured. So they give a number of less than 1%, and you give a number of 90%. To 95. I have uh, absolute confidence that everything that could be in any way uh, connected to work is now in the possession of the uh, State Department. This pile 
represents the emails that you sent or received about Libya in 2011, from February through December of 2011. Mm -hmm. This pile represents the emails you sent or received from early 2012 until the day of the attack. There are 795 emails in this pile. We've counted them. There are 67 emails in this pile in 2012. And I'm troubled by what I see here. I can only conclude by your own records that there was a lack of interest in Libya in 2012. Uh, the server mm. contains uh, personal communications from my husband and me. I, only time I got on the internet, <laughs> I did two emails <laughs> and I ordered Christmas presents from uh. the reservation. Is that right? Oh, is that right? Otherwise, I found people said yeah. embarrassing things on emails. I didn't want to be one of them. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and how many angels dance on the head of a pin? I have, I, I have uh, thirty-eight. Uh, I really uh, nothing to. Uh, I mean, how do you answer that? Well, I mean, that's my, my son, my little pumpkin right there, asking the important question: How many angels dance on the head of the pin? I don't know what the hell that means. And laugh and chuckle it off. Uh, it's hard to know, though. Is she? I will say at least one of those things. I don't know that she's lying because I would tend to believe Bill Clinton is lying about his story about the email. He's only emailed twice, and they were both to Monica. He's only emailed twice. They were both to oh, fat, and he bought fat chicks. Fat so chicks who wear berets. So this guy gets all of his, the reading he does, it's yeah. all in book and newspaper form still. Right. Like, he's not reading That's articles on his I phone. He's not messaging anyone. He's not, I, she I wore a raspberry really beret. You know, the kind you find in a secondhand store? She wore a raspberry beret, and if if uh, she didn't wear that, she wouldn't wear much more. I mean, where is he getting the news about Prince dying? I mean, he's got to know that news. Yeah, I don't um, know. I mean, I here's a guy know. who is running and heading up a multi-billion dollar global charity, and he's never on the Internet? It depends on how involved he is with it. Is he just yeah. the face of it, and Maybe. he travels around and gives speeches and raises money? But all or this, all you know, does he take care of the administration of it? I doubt it. He doesn't doubt seem I don't to be he, enough. He's not yeah. with it enough anymore. No. I don't think. Maybe to, to he doesn't do seem like it, does he? No, it's kind of bad. He doesn't seem like he's no, with it enough. It to is kind of sad, right. you know, because you don't wish this on anybody. I mean, if you, if there was one thing you could always say about Bill Clinton, he was sharp. He, right? was, he was bright, he was with it, he was good at what he did, which was lie continually. <laughs> uh, but now, he's, he's almost a sad figure, right? It, it, now he seems like he's lost so much, and it's like, well, what happened to that evil warrior that we used to hate so much? Where, where is he? <laughs> he's, he's I'm, not right, here. As I'm much. right here, Pat. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm trying. I'm still, I'm still trying to bag fat chicks. I don't get on the internet. There's nothing wrong with fat chicks. <laughs> fat chicks, once you go fat, you never go back. The only time I get on the internet is to find me some naked fat chicks. That's the only time I ever get on. I never, <laughs> I never email Hillary. Why would I do that? She's nasty. My buddy Jimmy down in Texas tells me once you go fat, you never go back. <laughs> Uh, all right, here's uh, no? just a little more. No? No, no. Uh, a little more lie. A little more lying from uh, Hillary about Wall Street. Uh, a little more evidence for you. I represented Wall Street as a senator from New York, and I went to Wall Street in December of 2007 before this the, is the big Hillary crash that, that we had. I know. And I basically said, cut it out. Quit foreclosing on homes. 
Quit engaging in these kinds Cut of speculative behaviors. Now, who's exactly to blame for the housing crisis? I think there's uh, plenty of uh, blame to go around. Home buyers who paid extra fees buyers. to avoid documenting great, their man. income should have known they were getting in over their heads. Of course, we have to deal with the problem that the banks are still too big to fail. We can never let the American taxpayer and middle class families ever have to bail out the kind of speculative behavior that we saw. But we also have to worry about some of the other players, AIG, a big insurance company, Lehman Brothers, an investment bank. There's this whole area called shadow banking. That's where the experts tell me the next potential problem could come from. So I'm with both Senator Sanders and Governor O'Malley Actually, in putting a lot of attention onto the banks. And the plan that I have put forward would actually empower regulators to break up big banks. I represented New York, and I represented New York on 9-11. When we were attacked, where were we attacked? We were attacked in downtown Manhattan, where Wall Street is. I did spend a whole lot of time and effort helping them rebuild. That was good for New York, it was good for the economy, and it was a way to rebuke the terrorists who had attacked our country. And I didn't spend time supporting anything I want to for any reason! So, uh, you got that going. That's pretty good. Uh, I mean, I, that's a tough one because I... Do I want Hillary Clinton attacking Wall Street all the time? No, I'm sick and tired of their class warfare. I'm sick and tired of the Democrats' battle. That who can be the biggest socialist here? Are you are you uh, Joseph Stalin or are you Vladimir Lenin? I mean, what kind of what kind of face-off is that in the United States of America? That's not the battle I want to hear anyway. So. Yeah, she's lying about that, but I, I don't want her to be an attack dog on Wall Street. I mean, if there were, if there were crimes, root them out and let's charge somebody with them. Yeah, but I'm sick of this generalized Wall Street thing. Yeah, even he does this sometimes. Yeah, he does. We, yes. I mean, we've busted on him on the air about it before, but it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, people haven't gone to jail because of the Wall Street collapse. I mean... Well, Who was supposed what, to go what, what, to jail? What crime has occurred. Right. Like, Charge uh, him with something then. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it seems like a lot of people took giant risks and they took risks that were uh, ill-advised. But they didn't do anything illegal. They didn't. Uh, like, that I know of. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, there's been some. Uh, are they doing credit that? default swaps? Yes. Are they doing CDOs? Yes. Did the, they get in trouble doing that? Yeah. Bad practices, I would say. Probably, but the other yes. part of that was the housing bubble, which was created by giving loans to bad uh, lendees. They were lending money to people who shouldn't have gotten money, but they had to because of the uh, rules that were being set up for them by the government, by the Democrats, to lend money to these people. Otherwise, they're racists. And so they had to give high-risk loans. And they did. So they did. I mean... I. You know, Bush went 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 to uh, Congress 18 times and tried to get him to stop doing that with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. He's like, this is going to this is going to collapse, and uh, if it collapsifies, uh, there's going to be uh, uh, what'll happen is there's there's going to be some uh, trouble. <laughs> so he we went 18 times. They wouldn't do anything about it. Barney Frank. And um, yeah. I mean, he was also engaged in pushing the home. You must own a home thing and we need to make it easier for everybody to own a home. And like, but I, Democrats were most responsible for this. I'm not letting them off the hook. I'm not going to. Then there is universal health care where she has lied about uh, about that issue as well.
time and time again. You hear one thing in speeches, and then you see a campaign that has the worst kind of tactics, reminiscent of the same sort of Republican attacks on Democrats. Well, I am here to say that it is not only wrong, but it is undermining core democratic principles. Since when do Democrats attack one another on universal health care? I have looked at, I've looked at the legislation that Senator Sanders has proposed, and basically he does eliminate the Affordable Care Act, eliminates private insurance, eliminates Medicare, eliminates Medicaid, TRICARE, Children's Health Insurance Program. Just because Senator Obama chose not to present a universal health care plan does not give him the right to attack me because I did. So let's have a real campaign. Enough with the speeches and the big rallies and then using tactics that are right out of Karl Rove's playbook. This is wrong, and every <laughs> Democrat should be outraged. The Democratic Party in the United States worked since Harry Truman to get the Affordable Care Act passed. So shame on you, Barack Obama. It is time you <laughs> ran a campaign consistent with your messages in public. Um, uh, that's priceless. I, I love the idea. Just because Barack Obama didn't propose a universal health care plan doesn't deserve him or doesn't give him the right to attack me because I did. Well, isn't that what a campaign's about? Of course, of course. If he has yeah. a different plan, yes. he absolutely has the right to attack your plan. Yes, <laughs> or lack of it, or lack of it. I yes. mean, look, and this people do forget this. Barack Obama ran to the right of Hillary Clinton on health care. I mean, Obamacare is. He said several times that the the individual mandate made no sense. No, that's like to, uh, you know somebody who doesn't have a house forcing them to buy one if they can't afford it. Right. So he said, "We're going to stop the homeless pro homelessness problem by mandating everyone buy a house." Right. Stupid. Uh, it's stupid. And, and then all of a sudden he came. What, what did? How did that happen? Yeah. Amazing. It's always like I always say that in a rational society, right, where people mm -hmm. actually believe things and said what they believe. We're not there though. Let's just say, in theory, though. Barack Obama runs a campaign in which he's running against someone mm -hmm. who wants an individual mandate. He does, he's running a campaign saying he does not want an individual mandate. Mm -hmm. He gets elected. Mm -hmm. a, path, a, a, a plan um, gets passed through Obamacare that has an individual mandate. Mm -hmm. To me, the most egregious part of that plan since the beginning has been the individual mandate. Here's a guy who did not support an individual mandate in his campaign. So why not? In a rational society where a plan is overwhelmingly opposed, come and say, you know what? We'll get rid of the individual mandate. I didn't want it anyway. It's in this plan, but I didn't want it anyway. We'll get rid of that. And while it's not going to make Republicans happy, it's a good middle step for a plan that's unpopular. And while I still wouldn't have supported the plan, it's, much, it's at least constitutional because then you're taking uh, tax dollars and you're just giving it to people like every other dumb giveaway program we have. To force people to buy a product is something completely different. And that's the biggest problem I had with it. Mm -hmm. um, and, but instead, wouldn't even investigate that with anybody. Wouldn't even consider it. Wouldn't even consider it. He opposed it in the campaign. Obviously, the truth is he didn't actually oppose it in the campaign. He just looked at it as a, a way to get a couple of points uh, against Hillary Clinton. Um, and try to win his primary election. He didn't actually believe it at all. And that's the problem. A rational society doesn't have those issues. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. We've got a couple of more of these that uh, I can't wait to get to because they're, uh, uh, they're pretty solid lies. And we'll share those with you coming up.
Hi. Uh, Pat and Stu with Jeffy. Stu had to check out early. Had some kind of an appointment. Triple eight seven two seven Beck eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. We were uh, going over some of the lies of Hillary Clinton, and you made a pretty strong case pretty so far. Yeah, you've made a pretty there strong case so far. Seems to be some so evidence of it lying. Does. Now I know you said there's more, and I don't know. You know, maybe this can push me over the top to convince me that <laughs> really? she actually lies. Yeah. You think it's possible? Yeah, because I don't know that you've right. actually convinced me a hundred percent yet. No, let's see if this helps. Right. Uh, here she is lying about Bosnia and trips. Hillary Clinton's attempt to tout her foreign policy experience hounded her again on the campaign trail today. I made, uh, you know, I uh, made a, a mistake in, in describing it. I she claimed she misspoke times. last week and was sleep deprived when so she described private. landing under sniper fire in Tuzla, Bosnia, something that didn't happen. But CBS News has found several times in the past few months when Senator Clinton used the Bosnia trip to try to show her international experience. December in Iowa. You know, we landed in one of those corkscrew <laughs> landings and ran out because so they said there might it be sniper fire. Is. I don't remember anybody offering me tea on the tarmac when that was happening. No, then in February, the welcoming ceremony had to be moved inside because of sniper fire. And last week. And, uh, I remember landing under sniper fire. We basically were told to run to our cars. Now that is what happened. Differing accounts of your trip to Bosnia, and I'm wondering if you can clarify. And I guess you recall, um, you know, ducking under sniper so fire, and, and Sinbad, in his account, was on the trip. He, he said that the most dangerous part was remembering where he was going to eat next. Do you He's actually, a comedian, you know, Jeff. <laughs> He's a comedian. So you actually recall you know, hearing gunfire, and were you when we back? were when we were flying into Bosnia, we came in in a uh, evasive maneuver. Um, there was no mm -hmm. greeting ceremony, and we basically were told to run to our cars. Now that is what happened. After CBS News no. video showed what really happened when she landed and greeted officials, Senator Clinton maintained the there the were risks, fire. but explained to the Philadelphia Daily Bullets News why she was seen her. on the Bosnian tarmac greeting a young child was if it was snipers. really so dangerous. I was also told that the greeting ceremony training. had been moved away from <laughs> the uh, tarmac, but that there was this eight-year-old girl, dome? and I said, well, I, have, I can't. I can't rush by her. I've got to at least greet her. Right. So I greeted her. I took her stuff and I left. Oh, now we that's kissed. We kissed. I took some stuff. Once again, her memory doesn't match people. our videotape. <laughs> she and her daughter Chelsea lingered on the tarmac to greet U.S. This military is unbelievable. officials. Took photos. Mm -hmm. There was the group of seventh graders on the tarmac too. <laughs> and then Senator Clinton walked to the armored vehicle where she did eventually dock and enter. <clears throat> that wow. is unbelievable. Because why? What's the point why? of that? When you know there's there's CBS footage of it. There were cameras. You know there were cameras. They were rolling at the time. They broadcast it back then on the news. And they right. still have it today. Why would you do that when you know it's going to be exposed? Just, I mean, I don't Because she doesn't care. It. She doesn't care, and she I mean, doesn't yeah, think I mean, they'll Donald report Trump, it. Right. I mean, that's her. That's her hanging out with Donald Trump. There. That's that's just Trump lie. and Obama and just all. Lie. These, don't worry about it. All these guys, just they, lie. they just don't care anymore. But they'll but they'll check up and they'll play it back. So, yeah. So what? So you convinced yet? Uh, there's also uh, some lying on NAFTA. If you're 
if you're still not convinced, Jeffy. No, It was one of the highlights of President Clinton's first term, passage of the North American Free Trade Agreement, also known as NAFTA. Critics blame NAFTA for the loss of manufacturing jobs in industrial states, including Ohio and Pennsylvania. Hillary Clinton helped get NAFTA approved. She held at least five meetings to strategize about how to win congressional approval. She helped the White House block opposition from labor and environmental groups, and she was the featured speaker at a crucial meeting. Participants in that event said, quote, her remarks were totally pro-NAFTA. There was no equivocation for her support for NAFTA at the time. You know, I have been a critic of NAFTA from the very beginning. My concerns about NAFTA expressed years ago have been well uh, documented and verified. I didn't wow. have a public position on it. I have spoken uh, consistently uh, against uh, NAFTA. And if you look at what I have been saying, it has been consistent. I have been consistent. No. You can go back no. and look at from the very beginning. I was one of the voices in the administration warning about NAFTA. You said it was good on balance for New York and America in 2004. And now you're in Ohio, and your words are much different, Senator. The record is very clear. Well, I, I, you don't have all the records, because you can go back and look at what I've said consistently. Oh, I think that uh, everybody is in favor of free and fair trade, and I think that uh, mm -hmm. uh, NAFTA is proving Boy. its worth. I think on balance, NAFTA has been good for New York and America. Point was NAFTA a mistake? NAFTA was a mistake to the extent that it did not deliver on what we had hoped it would. Your opponents are saying that that's really part of a larger pattern with you, that you often avoid taking firm positions on controversial issues. No, she doesn't. Um, <laughs> Takes firm positions and changes their mind. <laughs> they got this. They got that. <laughs> they got that video from some YouTuber who put in farts. <laughs> That's awesome. And then used it in this. In this montage, did you uh, notice that? Uh, did you hear uh, the? No. And then everybody, and the then they go for the reaction. Can you go back? To, yeah, go back to the. Would. Your opponents are Watch saying this. that that's really part of a larger <laughs> pattern Listen. with you that you often avoid taking firm <laughs> positions on controversial issues. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the reaction of Obama and Edwards. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I don't know if they didn't notice it or they didn't care or whatever, I, but that's kind of weird. You, you're saying that someone put that in? Yeah. That wasn't her? No, I, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that just happened naturally. Okay, because it happens to everyone. Yeah, I don't that's know true. why you think it would it's happen true. to just a natural function. Uh, okay. That's amazing. <laughs> I don't know why she does this. Why did, I, why, I mean, that is so weird. When you would say that, just admit that you've changed on it because the conditions have changed or... Whatever. History has proven uh, that it doesn't I mean, her, work out. or Her history has proven right. She takes a firm stand on whatever it is that she believes on that day. From gay marriage is wrong. to her matter. core principles, right? to the email scandal, the Wall Street stuff, the universal health care, everything. Whatever, doesn't, matter. doesn't matter. Everything. Doesn't matter. Same deal. Triple eight seven two seven back. More patents, too. Coming up in a minute. Bedrock principle. Bedrock fundamental principle. Wow. Until it isn't. Until I don't. Yep. Until I, I decide that it is. Yep.
Pat and Stu, 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. You know, a couple of days ago on Facebook, on my Facebook page, um, I declared a detente with um, the Trump supporters. I love and your Facebook the, page. Do you? I've already thumbed up you. it. You've thumbed I, up it? Uh-huh. Sometimes I get so excited I unthumb mm. it so I can thumb up it again. <laughs> I like that. You're welcome. Thank you for multiple thumb ups. You're welcome. Uh, by the way, if you if you like it, thumb thumb up me on on Facebook, and, and Jeffy likes that as well. When you do that to him, um, so anyway, I declared a detente and tried to be reasonable and just tried to say, okay, what you know, how how is it that we've sold out or whatever? And I just got more of the same, and so now I'm really pissed off again. And detente <laughs> is over, okay? Because <laughs> I tried, I really, I really did. I I tried to gain some understanding. Instead, I got more of the same, just the same old stuff. Uh, you know, apparently Trump supporters are amazingly but strangely sensitive. Uh, have I, on occasion, maybe in anger, lashed out with name-calling of Trump and his supporters? Yes. Yes, I, I, I think I probably have. That's awful nice of you to admit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've never claimed to be perfect. But you know who has? Donald Trump. Donald Trump. At least he, he has certainly claimed he hasn't done anything to have to repent of. So Trump support, look it up. I know. No, yes, I said that. Look it up. Look it up. But you know, I thought people being angry was what the Trump people loved so much. It was totally fine. In fact, it was great when Trump was pissed and called people pigs, bimbos, losers, liars, lightweights, morons, dummies, and even worse. He was just telling it like it is then. Right? He was expressing what everybody was feeling. It was also fine when so many of his supporters left the most vile, disgusting messages possible on my Facebook page or insulted me and my followers and our audience and Ted Cruz. All of that was fine when they fired off nasty emails by the hundreds, maybe even the thousands. And it was even fine when they threatened our very lives multiple times in those emails. But if I responded in an angry way, oh... Oh, the humanity. Hypocrite! Evil person! Bastard! Sellout! Uh, but again, all of that is... It, it, all of this is just like the person they worship, Donald J. Trump. He does exactly the same stuff. He acts exactly the same way. If you kiss his ring or elsewhere, he loves you. But the second you disagree with him on anything, you're a loser, you're failing, you're a bimbo, pig... He was in my office begging for money like a dog. You're a moron. I mean, and but that, of course, isn't hypocrisy. That's just good old-fashioned anger when he does it. And when he changes his mind on every single issue, that's not flip-flopping. That's someone who tells it like it is. And when he shows that he has absolutely no knowledge of a critical topic in this race, that's not ignorance. That's someone who will just hire the best people who do know those things. And when he couldn't get, uh, when we couldn't get Ted Cruz over the top to get him the nomination, we were irrelevant. We were losers. We were meaningless. But somehow, if we continue to talk about him in a negative light, then we're helping Hillary win the election. We're handing her the election. So, Trump supporters, please pardon my continued confusion and frustration where you're concerned. Uh, consistency? That's not your strong point. Okay. But because you're so sensitive, um, please note that I didn't call you or Trump a name. 
during this whole thing. And P.S., uh, did you notice that not one Trump supporter the other day when I asked about universal single-payer health care, his policy is for universal single-payer health care and how he's conservative, but we are not. Uh, why has nobody responded to that question? Facebook is blocking. Uh, are they? Okay. It's Facebook's it, it, fault. Yeah, okay. Because I'm sure that there's probably so many responses that they just they were overwhelmed. Yeah. Facebook and, is like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't want to lose the servers. Stop those. <laughs> Stop those right now. And you know, the universal single payer healthcare thing, that's just one of the many policies on which he's he's completely liberal. And they never address that. They don't care. They never they address they that. Care. Because they they either they honestly they either don't care or they think, Oh, you know, he'll never act on that. He'll be fine. I guess. Yeah, but Trump. You justify it. Yeah, but Trump. So it's just this cult of personality. Believe me. They like his personality. They don't. I mean, because I can't think of a single policy. If you're a Republican, if you're a conservative, what is the Trump policy that would uh, that would draw you to him? Because you are a conservative. So think of. Well, okay, immigration, obviously. Right. There's the one topic. There is the one thing where he's supposedly conservative because he's going to build the wall. Everybody wants border security. That would help provide it, especially if it's a 40-foot wall. <laughs> Go ahead and build that. Let's see it. Let's see That'd be it. nice. Getting That'd Mexico nice. to pay for it without giving any of the details. Maybe that's appealing. Maybe yeah. you don't worry about the details. He says he's going to do it. He's Trump. He'll do it. Yep. I mean, I, I, That is the number one thing, right? Yeah, I guess it is. It is. It's That's not it. just the number one thing. It's the only thing. thing. Everything else it's doesn't matter. It's the only thing. And nothing else matters. Well, and then it ties in, when you look at uh, border security, then you tie that, uh, maybe tied loosely to uh, the trade. Because uh, it figures that... Yeah, because uh, we're losing to Mexico to, yeah. and to China. Right. Blah, 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 right. blah. Never mind. He's I mean, a great uh, negotiator. Trade, the mm. open border trades have done nothing uh, good for America. Oh, oh, wait. Wait, wait a minute. Maybe it has. I, maybe it's, it has. It's I mean, done. free trade, you know, has t- turned the world around. Free, yes. The free market system and free trade turned turned the entire planet around. Yes. Uh, for, uh, pulled it out of poverty and and brought us the prosperity we have today. And, and took us from a planet where 92% of the people were in abject poverty. 92%. That number today is 9%. Think of that. Nine. Nine percent. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. And he's, oh my gosh, he's a free, he's a free trade guy. Uh, he is a free trade He just guy. wants tariffs on that free trade. <laughs> he just wants to charge for free trade. So it's, <laughs> it's like, I'm all about free gas. You just have to pay, pay for it. 250 a gallon for it. But I'm all about <laughs> giving ga- you free gas. Look, the I'm gas is to. free, but we're just going to, we're going to tax it three bucks a gallon. Right. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's absolutely free. Uh, it's just, a, yeah, we're just, it's a surcharge or a courtesy charge. Right. Or, but it's free. You know, don't you, tax and license. Tell me it's not fee. free. It's free. It's free. You just have to pay $45 for that. That's it, though. Take full. That's, that's all. It. But that's it. But I'm a free gas guy. I am. <laughs> I love free gas. <laughs> I mean, it's so insane. It, it is. It's almost insulting. It's yeah. Almost it's insulting. A little bit more than almost. As a matter of fact, really, we're a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Triple eight seven two seven Beck eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. More patents too with Jeffy coming.
More than almost itself. A little more than almost. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm right over the edge on almost. Eight seven two seven back. It's patents too. Uh, according to Metal Floss, there's twelve bakeries around the world that you must visit. Really, that's a lot of carbs. I don't like to do all those carbs. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, uh, you know me and carbs, Pat. Oh my, oh my god, I can't. Uh, oh my god, I can't tell you. I'd, With that physique, you can't. Uh, uh, carbs is just it just turns into immediate fat and sugar. And right, I, I can't do that. So to look at you, you would think you'd never ingested a carb in your life that's right? my point why am i going to travel around the world for looking at these places right exactly okay that's what i'm saying okay. that's what i'm saying I, i'm not sure what you're saying <laughs> but in uh ariston athens greece it's tucked behind athens uh famous uh st thomas square has been serving up greek pies since 1910 so you know they're doing something right their specialty is kuru Flaky, buttery, oh, half-moon-shaped pastry filled with feta cheese, which mm. I, I love feta cheese. I know cheese. you do. I'm a big I feta cheese guy. Feta. We used to have to go to uh, the uh, mm. an area in Detroit when I was a kid, mm. Greek town. Yeah. And uh, that we had, you know, I was forced to eat a lot of this stuff. Feta? You know, and you, so you didn't yeah. ever grow to like it, nah. huh? I mean, look, Pat, mm -hmm. who am I to say, no, I'm not going to eat something? <laughs> but that doesn't mean I liked it. Okay. It doesn't mean right. I like that. Well, the other, they, they, they fill some of the other pies with zucchini, no. Peppers, no. Spinach, mm -mm. Mm. mushrooms. Oh, I like the mushroom stuff. No, I don't but like the, that. But the feta. feta. I'll eat the feta. Save the other stuff. A tai Chung in Hong Kong. Hong Kong bakeries are known for their egg tarts. Yeah. Egg tarts. I'm not sure a, I know what an egg tart is. I guess that is, but they're green. It's a baked confection that pairs egg custard with a small, light pastry shell. Okay. Uh, it doesn't sound that bad. No, it doesn't. It Anytime doesn't. the word custard is involved, I'm in. Right? I'm in. Right. I, <laughs> I'm saying, you know what? Serve me one of those. Yeah. I'll try it. <laughs> then there's uh, La Dure in Paris. Gay Paris. Paris, France. The Grand Dame of the City of Lights is uh, La Dure. Founded in 1862. Wow. Wow. Talk about they must be doing something right. The world-famous bakery keeps the 19th century vibe going with its old-fashioned, luxurious interior design. The food, though, is the main draw with some of the best-known macaroons in France. Ooh. And there they are. I'm not a huge macaroon guy. I, I mean, they're good, but and you know, at some nice uh, hotels, they'll have macaroons yeah. for you when you go up to your room, and it's like, okay, I'll eat them again. But they're not my favorite thing. Again, again, who, who am I to say I'm not going to eat them? It. Am I going to say no I mean, to them? No, but nine percent of the world is hungry, Pat. <laughs> right? Who, what am I going to make it ten? No. no, no, no. Alab in Cairo, Egypt. Offers an assortment of local favorite treats. You know, before I tell you exactly what those favorite treats are, I just want to say that when, uh, being in the Middle East a couple of times, mm -hmm. 
Um, I am not a big fan of Middle East food. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> After spending 16 days in Israel, yeah, we, it is my least favorite food I, on earth that I've, I've ever tried. We went the first time. It's awful. The first awful. time Glenn and I went, we went to several small places <laughs> that tried to. I mean, they buffeted us to death with that food. Really? And uh, once in a while, once out of about every maybe five or six bowls of whatever it was, yeah, you'd go, oh, nah. Okay. There wasn't one thing I ate over there that was as good as the as the worst thing I eat over here. And I remember thinking, <laughs> we were not dri- one. I remember thinking, driving somewhere one day, thinking, oh, they were saying, well, we're going to take you to the, there's a there's a really big McDonald's here. It's one of our first McDonald's here. Mm-hmm. And they're all fired up. It's outside of, I forget where the heck it is now. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's in, it's in Israel somewhere. And they were all excited about taking us to McDonald's. And so we go to McDonald's. Just so you know, McDonald's in Israel Different. isn't McDonald's like the McDonald's. No, you I, go to, I, you know, Glenn, know. Is, Glenn is famous for talking about, I like the small town curb feel of the little small towns and stuff. Mm-hmm. But one of the nice things about having uh, chain restaurants and you know chain stores, you know what to expect. Not in Israel. So when you go to McDonald's, that's what you get. When yeah. you go to Burger King, you know what you get. When you go to Carabas, you know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Wherever you go, you know what you have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get. Yeah. You know, the odds that Betty's Diner is going to be great. Yeah. You know, they're not good. No, they're not good. But it might be. It's possible. But it might be. But you know what you're going to get at McDonald's. Or Carabas. Although not in Jerusalem. No, you don't. Because first of all, you're going to get something kosher. And I don't want something kosher well, because this... you can't serve meat and cheese together. Well, what's the point of eating a, ch- a cheeseburger if you can't have cheese yeah, on it? And this was it's outside just a of Jerusalem, then. too. So I, I don't think like they that. did have their. I, I think like they that. did have the McDonald the meat. And that was part of our deal. Was we spent the whole time this last time, right. almost the whole time in Jerusalem, where it's really kosher and it's really religious. And so, Tel Aviv, you can get more Americanized yes, that, stuff. We were close, and to, you can we get non kosher, but so. not in Jerusalem. And it's like, okay, I look, I. I I don't have a problem with the meat cheese thing, okay? I'll eat meat well, there, and dairy go, together. Did you go to the bar down the street from the hotel that serves meat and fries and stuff? But not with cheese, well, did it? Well, you can get Would it? Cheese. You yeah. can? It, no, I, at the go, bar. I don't think I went. There. At the bar you can. Mm-hmm. On uh, Just on a couple of days you can't, you know, Friday and stuff. But you can get it served. Like the hotel we stayed at. Mm-mm. No. I mean, they won't even deliver it to your room. If you order something with meat and with cheese, the hotel we stayed at yeah. has to deliver them to separate rooms. Yeah, they won't even deliver it. They won't even deliver it to the same room for fear you might eat them together. Right. <laughs> right. Come on. Oh, man. So I know. Ugh. I know. I can't, I can't did do not that. like so it. So that Bas Musa and Kayak mm-hmm. and Kanaf, Kanafa. Kanafa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently their ice cream is good, though. Hmm. I wouldn't mind trying that. I'll try any kind of ice cream. That's true, but... Maison Christophe in uh, Montreal, Canada. Located in picturesque old Montreal, Maison Christophe is a French-style patisserie that offers pastries and their eclair peri-breast is the most popular item. That sounds so good. There it is. That right looks there. so good. That I, looks really good. I'd like really to spend good. some time in Montreal. That's a city I've never. Yeah, spent I'd love any to. I'd in. love to go to Montreal. 
Montreal seems like it'd be a fun place. I know. And, you know, Jason's Bakery in Cape Town, South Africa. Why didn't we go there when we were there? I don't know. Why didn't we go there? I don't know. Jason's Bakery founder, Jason Lilly. Wets his loyal customers' appetites by hopping on Instagram each Saturday to post pictures of the custom dosant. A donut Donut and and croissant croissant hybrid. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Okay, why we had to? Yeah, we should have gone to Jason's Bakery. Yeah, that's Cape just Town, good stuff. I like Cape Town. I could live there actually. Oh, that was, was a beautiful town. That was really a beautiful nice town. There. I mean, just outside the town, there's poverty like you've never seen in your life. No, I didn't say outside Cape but, Town. Uh, I said in Cape Town. In Cape Town, it yeah, was no, really I, nice. I specifically said I liked Cape Town. Yeah, well, it, it was nice for us because we were invited there by a billionaire who owned a really nice place and he let us stay there, and it was right on the water. <laughs> It's unbelievable. Like I said, I really like Cape Town. But for some people there. who live there, Cape Town's not as nice as they might like, you know, as they might hope. And uh, so... I didn't meet those people. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't know. meet any of those people. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Existed.